was freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway. I outran a cold front when I gave my truck the reins. Barreling down I-35 with one thought on my mind. Forget the race, find an open space. Well, here we are again, another edition of Your Other Side of Texas. Thanks for tuning in. Jay West, Texas, leasing on a cold. It feels like December, October day. About one week from Halloween. Some questions to answer about that with the lease in Ponderosa. The costumes are all lined up and we're ready to go. We're broadcasting from the Racer Car Wash Studios. Racer Car Wash, voted Lubbock's best wash, five years running. Stop into one of five convenient locations across the Hub City for the best wash around. Guaranteed, racerwash.com was at a function last week. Somebody walked up and said, I just want you to know, I go to Racer Car Wash. A listener of the program uh, said I was not lying about the VIP line. Don't lie here. Just try to give you the straight truth or as close as I can get to it. Uh, you want to be a part of the program, you can text in 806-745-5800. If you're listening live, here's where we're going to go. I'm about to lay out a definitive monologue that might carry into some of the rest of the program, maybe the entire program, on West Texicanism and what that means whenever I talk about West Texicanism. Also got some Rager Gate we're going to get into I've got an update on the rental car. If you're listening in Lubbock County, uh, really wherever you're listening, you need to be aware of this rental car tax story laid down by the feds. But I have an update there how hotel occupancy taxes based on projections that I was given this week could overcome anything uh, if rental car taxes aren't available. Could overcome that. Ross Ramsey, executive editor, of the Tex Tribune, my political counselor. We're going to get on and talk about the Trump rally, where that ranks in his 40 years of observing state politics. Also, these high early voting numbers, what those mean, what it could mean for red or blue. Speaking of red or blue, this is the news at this hour. The New York Times, pop pipe bombs were sent to a number of prominent Democrats, including former President Barack Obama and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, sparking an intense investigation on Wednesday today into whether a bomber is going after people who have been the subject of right-wing ire. That's the lead from the New York Times. We can break that down from other, from other perspectives as well. That's uh, not so much in New York Times. CNN received a similar bomb addressed to Mr. Obama's CIA director, John Brennan, touching off a mass evacuation of the Time Warner Center in Midtown Manhattan, where the network is located. A law enforcement official said devices were similar to one found in on Monday at the home of George Soros the billionaire philanthropist and liberal donor. None of the devices harmed anyone. Law enforcement officials said they were investigating whether all devices were sent by the same person or persons. 
here's where to start with this. Maybe it was several, maybe, maybe it is several different types. Who, who the suspect and what the motivations there might be. It is certainly not beyond the realm of possibility that it would be Russian interference on a bigger scale. They've poisoned political opponents. They've gone after uh, people in different countries and continents. Uh, maybe it was the Chinese most likely. I think it's absolutely logical to deduce that it was somebody from the right that was upset. I, th I think that it was logical. And I think to just absolutely dismiss that altogether uh, says more about the dismisser than it does the issue itself. Yeah, it could be. It could be a ploy to activate Democrats. I don't want to sound unhinged on either side of this. But I will say this. This leads me to a place where where I want to begin. And there is a hyper-partisanship issue in this country right now. And the people who, and I know this from my own experience, because I was a hardline right-winger in college until I grew up. The most hyper-partisans that I know, that I hear from, that I read on Facebook, have yet to grow up. And these conversations turn go like this. Well, that person is a Republican or that person is a Democrat. And then slowly the person, the personhood begins to go away. Then it's just Republican with a sneer or Democrat with a sneer. And then it turns into that that person is my enemy because that person is a Republican or that person is a Democrat. And then it goes, what's worse than enemy is when it loses all, all personhood connotation altogether and they become it. It is something that needs to be extinguished and in some cases exterminated. This bomb thing has really set me off to thinking about a question that I'm asked really often. If you follow on social media, if you follow me on Twitter, follow along, you'll see I get blown up from both sides, from both ends of both sides of the political spectrum. And so it begs the question a lot of times of what my partisan allegiance is. And hey, listen here on the other side of Texas. Here's my partisan allegiance. It's Rayvon West Texicanism, and it doesn't have much to do with partisan, and it has everything to do with place, because I put place over the parties. And what's difficult is that today, the more moderated wings of both parties are not voting. Maybe that's different and what we're seeing in some of these numbers that some of the moderated wings of Republicans and Democrats as well as, you know, of course the independents may, 
so far as political ground to stand on, there's none. And and I could care less. I'm just, that's why I extrapolate Buddy Holly and say, rave on. And here's the fact of the matter. Where I live, this entire region, dare I say, this half of the state, and maybe the whole state, but this part of the state is not able to evolve politically like it's able to west or east of I-35 to the far right end or the far left end where I live was built by architected so far as the economy and society was concerned architected by conservative democrats and there I don't know if you've checked of late but there's like one in the entire country and his name's Joe Manchin and he lives way up in West Virginia but whenever you look at the economy of where we now I'm going to get a little I'm going to go on a riff here whenever you look at our economy and I talk about this constantly whenever you look at the medical economy in West Texas in particular in Lubbock and that is an industry that's made up of a lot of blue dollars and whenever you look at agriculture that industry needs federal backing because it, there's all sorts of unexpected realities within agriculture. And you need to ensure that there's a farmer. Trade, uh, tariffs, non-tariff, <clears throat> uh, weather, you go down the line. And then into education and higher education. That's, you use federal money and state money in both of those stabilized and those are the three legs of the economy where I live where I'm broadcasting from in Lubbock and it never ceases to amaze me that people in Lubbock we believe that we invented Ronald Reagan and trickle down economics in our basement a basement that sits below ground on which some of the most ingenious good government programs have been put into place and have been exercised now for the better part of half or three quarters of a century now that's on the economic end on the social end there's always and this bleeds into economics there's always been a concern with competence competent that you do your work that you put in your time that you sweat and that you put forth the effort required in order, it's not like medical professionals and people in the ag industry and people in the education industry are just getting a free pass. They are rewarded by competence, even though those programs are made up by the state dollar. Now, I've gotten comments before that I do all this because I'm running for something, and I've certainly been interested in running in the past, but whenever I'm this candid and I'm this honest, you got to believe that... Um, that I'm knocking myself out because everything I just laid out could be broken up into sound bites. I'm just trying to bring on the rave on. There are no more conservative Democrats, and I worry about the state of things now because Republican policies go after medical, agriculture, and education, higher education. Constant barrage on those. So it makes it real hard to be a hardline Republican. And people who are, I just I find that to be disingenuous given the way that the economy is composed. Now, it's also hardline. You want equal outcomes for everybody? Like you're a hardline Democrat today 
and you're saying equal outcomes for everybody involved give me a break because that's a total dismissal of the west texan notion and virtue of competence and that but that's what we have now we've got a state and a national hierarchy that's given way into partisanship and places like west texas stand to fall between the the cracks the republicans this side of texas more and more within suburban republicanism doesn't matter and the democrats have abdicated the middle class for in lieu of identity groups in which they want to hodgepodge a majority with a bunch of ideological shibboleth shibboleth excuse me and it just gets my every nerve if people thought about place i'm going to continue this going to go to a break we'll get in with ross ramsey i'm on a tear right now my face is red uh, we're going to continue this. Stick right with us. Going to go make some money out of sheer competence right here on your other side of Texas. Be right back with Ross. Oh, man, lots of text to get into. I appreciate, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little fired up, but I'm going to back off now. Back off and lay on the couch as our political counselor comes on in this segment that's brought to you by Title One. Lubbock's digital real estate and title escrow company, Title One, is committed to providing you with the highest level of communication and service from the time the contract opens until it closes. See, our friends at Title One can serve your consumer lending needs at TitleOne.com. He is Ross Ramsey. He is the executive editor of the Texas Tribune. Uh, Ross Ramsey, are you out there? I'm out here. How are you doing? Glad to have you on again here. Um, Ross, I'm just looking at the hyper-partisanship and just trying to find my way. I'm going to ask you a couple of times here, but have you ever seen a partisan climate like we have today? Uh, yeah, it's been a while. I mean, it, it cycles around. It was pretty tough when um, Gingrich and Clinton were fighting. It was, um, you know, it was um, pretty out there when Nixon and the Democrats were fighting. The 60s were pretty tough. But, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. But it, when it does, it seems like you can't get much done. Okay. You dug deep. For those references, I appreciate that. Here's what Ben Shapiro says with regard to the bombings. And we like to talk about state politics but this is something the whole country is talking about. And this is Ben Shapiro, noted conservative commenter. Right. If your first reaction to some evil person sending bombs to a variety of politicians on one side of the aisle is, in all caps, false flag, you are officially deranged. What do you make of that? <laughs> well, I think, you know, I'm not sure I disagree with <laughs> you. You're not going to disagree? I'm, you know, I'm not sure I would. I mean, you know, if your first reaction is to try to figure out who to blame, and just instead of trying to figure out what the problem is, you know, you're you're thinking about something other than bombs and people. You're thinking about who did it, who can I blame, how does this play into the political fight? And that's clearly secondary to what's going on. Yeah, uh, Ross, let's talk about in again within the context of you sitting back and watching the state and observing and analyzing. 
over these years. What do you make of that? Had you ever seen anything like the Trump rally? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, but not since the last Trump rally. I mean, this is how these go. This is, um, you know, he's been doing this for a while, and, you know, it's become his stock in trade, and his followers, you know, seem to like it. A lot of people were out there before the rally sort of doing a tailgate thing in Houston, and that's, that's kind of, you know, part of the Trump thing that people like. It clearly was a positive for Ted Cruz, I think, uh, you know, uh, Dan Patrick was there. Greg Abbott was there. How was it Those positive? Guys, well, I think, you know, you're associated with the person that your voters think the most of in your party, which is Donald Trump and Texas Republicans right now, then that accrues to your benefit. If they think that you're, you know, if the most popular guy in the party is Donald Trump and you disagree with Donald Trump, you've got some trouble. And I think one of the things that you see both in Texas politics and in American politics on the Republican side in general, is that with a few specific exceptions, Republicans don't want any daylight between them and their president because that's a dangerous place to be given voters' um, approval level of this president on the Republican side. Mm -hmm. Hmm. The voters like this guy, and if you don't, you're you know opposed to your voters. That's a bad place for a politician to be especially two weeks before an election. So it's good for Cruz because, you know, there's some there's some reason to think that he and Trump might not get along and that if you're a Trump fan, you might or might not be a Cruz fan. And to see them giving each other a hug and talking each other up has got to be comforting to those voters. Ross Ramsey on Twitter, at Ross Ramsey. In, in the context... Do you believe that this is shaping up to be base on base or base versus base in this election? Is Beto O'Rourke able to peel away some Republicans or is Ted Cruz able to peel away some Democrats? I, you know, I think there's an independent voter here. And, and the reason I say that, uh, I wouldn't have said that before I saw this, you know, line of polls all summer long and into the, into the fall that say, the U.S. Senate race in Texas is a single-digit race. The governor's race in Texas is a double-digit race. Mm -hmm. That means that either of two things has to be happening. Either some number of people are saying, I'm going to vote in the Senate race and then I'm going to stop, or, and I think this is the more likely of the two, there's such thing as a Beto O'Rourke, Greg Abbott voter. I can't imagine, I can't quite get my head around the idea that a Democrat would vote for Abbott or that a Republican would vote for O'Rourke, and so I think this is the independent voters who have tended to vote Republican in Texas, but they're independent enough that you know they can um, they can see themselves voting for a Democrat in one race and a Republican in the next. Uh, Ross Ramsey, let's go to the voting itself. Uh, very high. I hadn't looked at the numbers today. Uh, are you aware of whether the numbers today track in line with what where we were in day one and day two? We're in day three. I haven't seen I haven't seen airs. end of day numbers yet, but you know those are just coming in. It's just you know it's just now five o'clock. Um, you know those are just now those counties are just now handing their numbers into the Secretary of State's office. But the first two days numbers were really really big, and I think you know one of two things is happening. You know you can't know really until early voting is over if that means more people are voting a early and b voting in total. Or, B, you know, the, 
deciding to vote on Monday and Tuesday instead of on Thursday and Friday. You know, maybe that, you know, and this happened in the primaries this year. We had the first couple of days were really big, and then it slowed way down. But the numbers were huge in El Paso, and, and this is probably because Beto O'Rourke is from El Paso. In El Paso, more people voted early in the first two days of voting than voted early altogether in 2014. So when they were, I listened to people close to Cruz, they're nervous about El Paso County. They're nervous around Dallas, and they're nervous down in Houston that you've got these turnouts that you do. Right, right. The trick to this election, you know, we've talked about this, is in the last three or four midterms in Texas, uh, statewide Republicans have beat statewide Democrats by about a million votes, give or take. Sometimes it was higher, sometimes it was lower, but call it about a million votes. So what Abeto O'Rourke needs to do is close a gap of about a million votes. And part of that is hoping that Republicans will think either that their guy has it in the bag and they don't need to show up, or thinking they you know, might not like their guy as much as they've liked people in the past. And for some reason, Republican turnout being a little bit depressed, and then at the same time, Democratic turnout being really excited and ginned up. And there have been times during this election cycle when it looked like that might be happening. You know, Ted Cruz has been going around the state and is still going around the state telling his voters, don't be complacent. You've got to show up to vote. Beto O'Rourke is showing up around the state saying, let's meet in the parking lot across the street from where you vote. And then we'll walk over and drawing big crowds that way. So they're both fighting. I don't know that this is a base versus base fight. I think this is more of a who can actually turn out voters in an environment when this race has risen to a level of interest and maybe enthusiasm that most races in Texas don't don't rise to. Uh, two quick questions here, Ross. One is, do you think some of this turnout has to do with the hyper-partisanship and maybe people just being turned on by it all of a sudden? Because, you know, I've often joked that I do a program that, that revolves around Texas politics. Now, we bring in other angles and cover local stuff and regional stuff. But by and large, a show that focuses on Texas politics focuses on like 9% of eligible voters. And right. so whenever we get into... <clears throat> Do you think it's been the political charged atmosphere that set off uh, this early voting, assuming that it continues in the trends that it has over the first couple of days? So this is going to sound weird for a second, but stick with me. Voting is a verb, and, and people vote to do something. They don't vote. You know, I think some people vote out of a, a sense of responsibility, but I think most people, when they vote, and when you get a big turnout or you get a lot of enthusiasm, it's because people are trying to do something. They're either trying to get something moved that wouldn't move before, or they're trying to get something stopped that they feel like needs to be stopped. That's why, you know, change elections or whatever you want to call them draw a lot of people out. And what is interesting up to this point about this U.S. Senate race is it, is it has felt like and sounded like a race where people want to change something. They want to make something happen, and they're not just voting because that's what you do every other November. And if that's true, then this turnout that we're seeing in the first two days may be a sign that we're going to get a big turnout this year and that there are a lot of voters interested in this election and interested in taking part 
who don't ordinarily do that in midterms. On the other hand, it could mean that, you know, this is just the latest example in a line of elections where the Democrats got worked up over a candidate who had some reason to pay attention to, whether it was, you know, Tony Sanchez and his money, or Bill White, a former mayor of Houston, or Wendy Davis on the um, bounce from a big legislative night on an abortion bill, or whether it's Beto O'Rourke and his you know, what started with travels with Will Hurd and turned into this campaign. It's hard to tell at this point which kind of campaign it is, but this one does feel to me a little bit like an election where voters want to do something with their vote other than just show that they're responsible citizens. Yeah, uh, Ross Ramsey, uh, let me ask you this. You see on Facebook Live different politicians, hey, I'm in this place, and maybe they don't even represent that place. But one politician who does represent all places in Texas is Greg Abbott and he's popping up on different days in different counties been in Tyler County Mm -hmm. I think it was in Tyler yesterday uh it wasn't Tyler County it was somewhere around Tyler but is there probably Grimes County right yeah I can't remember what it was exactly but you'd think if I asked these questions I'd have the confidence to understand you know where he was but uh that's that's just me. But whenever you watch politicians, politicians often guided by consultants that you need to be here on this day and here on this day in order to move the needle. Is that the case, or is he just popping up in random places? Is there a method to the madness with the governor? You know, he's picked a number of legislative races where he feels like, you know, he could he could help if he shows up, either with money or shows up and does a you know press conference or something local with this state rep or that state senator. And he's been spending his last few uh, days in this campaign doing that. Greg Abbott's in a weird position. He's got his race more or less in the back. He's got all the money he needs. It's all plates on TV. This thing is, you know, as close as you get in politics to running like a clock. And he can now tinker if he wants to. He can mess around. He can try this and try that, experiment, have a little fun, help some people out. And he's going into a legislative session where there's going to be some turbulence at the beginning as the House chooses and then adjusts to a new speaker. So uh, he's decided to spend, you know, the last couple of weeks of this campaign out campaigning for legislators, you know, to try to build some goodwill as they go into a session that's going to have, you know, as I said, a little bit of turbulence and, you know, maybe smooth it out a little bit. Hmm. Well, Ross Ramsey, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, as I sit up on his uh, political couch, my counselor, Ross Ramsey, uh, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, a new analysis piece there at texastribune.org. Ross, what do you have coming down uh, the Pike here this week at uh, texttribune.org. I think if you check the check our website and you know just a little over 24 hours, you'll be seeing our last poll before the election and seeing you know how this stuff looks, both from the standpoint of how the races look to how some of the issues look. And um, in fact, I'm going to go from here to uh, a secret hiding place and start looking over poll numbers and try to figure out how to write about it. Secret hiding place we're about to get a secret (laughs) studio here um there you go yeah i mean given everything the program's been successful we're able to do some things and you know it's uh good to upgrade but it's also good uh that 
in some cases, like Regent Gate or Rager Gate or whatever else we're covering, that people may not know where you're sitting. Uh, but we know, well, we don't know where Ross Ramsey sits. Whenever you retire, Ross, will you come <laughs> on with me and just confess your political allegiances, where you voted and why? I'll just say maybe at this point we'll play it for we'll play it for later. How's that? You are uh, seriously, you're the only Texas journalist I know. Well, you're one of the only journalists I know where it's just uh, I don't know where he votes, but I think that's uh, why you're Ross Ramsey. Appreciate your time, buddy. I appreciate that, and I'll talk to you next week, man. All right, looking forward to it, Ross Ramsey. Boys and girls, gonna take a quickie break. And we'll be right back with you. I want to get back into that West Texicanism. Got some Rager Gate and some rental car taxes. We're everywhere today, and it's me and you riding along right here on the other side of Texas. The other side of Texas is sponsored by the law firm of Mullen, Horde, and Brown, LLP, with offices in Lubbock, Amarillo, and Dallas, employing creative legal solutions to address your business needs in the areas of commercial litigation, banking, financial restructuring, employment law, and estate planning. So, <clears throat> where I was in the monologue is where I want to go back to now. Conservative Democrats, there aren't that anymore. Where do you go in the middle? Understanding how your place works, what makes it turn. That's where I am. And look, I talk about West Texicanism. It might be East Texas, uh, East Texicanism. It might be South. It might be wherever. My whole proposal here is not regionalism, is not localism. It's knowing your place, deciding what's best for your place, and collaborating across the state rather than being owned by interest groups or ideological benders, like political bourbon benders on what your political outlook is. Look at where you live. You want your kids to live there? Well, then let's look at what's best for our respective places, and let's go from there. And I don't... On Twitter and on this program from time to time, I can get I can get caustic, but by and large, if if we are trying to figure out a problem, then I'll go from there because it seems like people who are trying to solve problems are more and more taken by as as I said in the in the monologue, ideological shibboleth on both sides, both sides of the ideological spectrum. And to get back in with in all this, the premise here are these bombings and the logical deduction that somebody sent mail bombs from a partisan point of view, that, of course, that stands out. But we see proverbial bombs being thrown all the time from both sides. And let me break it down like this. Uh, just to go in with more, def like, we're going to have to name this episode West Texicanism with Ross Ramsey. Um, I don't know if he wants his name attached to West Texan 
was Texicanism or what I'm laying out, I may think, knowing him like I do, that he may appreciate where I'm coming from. But as I mentioned earlier this week, I've been reading a lot of Jordan Peterson, a profound, I'll just call him a public thinker, perhaps a public philosopher. And Peterson has a book, 12 Steps to, I believe it's Handling Chaos. And I'm going to go along here, and there's an interview he did in which I'm, I'm going to try to paraphrase and read over. But just follow me here. Follow me, because this is all coming to a place to try to clarify. And I don't want to clarify myself, but make an argument for where we should be. And Peterson argues that whenever you're in a collective society you've got to move forward you've got to make progress you've got to do things and if excuse me if you don't do anything then you suffer and die you move forward toward valued things and so therefore there becomes a hierarchy of a value hierarchy that one thing is more important than the other and that you act out values in a social environment because we're social creatures and we act those things out of value so again thus a hierarchy but some values are better than others and so you've got to prioritize which ones matter more than the others but here's the thing with a hierarchy and this is the case with the country and I try not to get into federal stuff but we got to look at where we are as a country right now. A hierarchy, and by hierarchy I mean what we value and our tradition and our customs. A hierarchy on the right has traditionally, not tradition, historically led to people wanting to give ultimate affirmation to the hierarchy. And here's the problem that a hierarchy can become corrupt rigid it can start rewarding other things other than competence and maybe rewarding things like criminality and power and i would tap the brakes there and say look no further than 2008 reinhold neighbor wrote a great book moral man and immoral society mid-20th century where he argued that and he he was a liberal protestant but he argued for original sin that original sin is the only empirically valid christian doctrine something that you could see on a day-to-day -day basis and he argued that original sin within individuals compounds within groups uh, and not just compounds but exponentiates within groups it's not two plus two it becomes two plus two times two and whenever you get people, and I mentioned 2008, but people whose economic interests are exponentiated, then you lead to a downfall like we had in this country, 2008. And here's a, uh, back to hierarchies. On the right, we need a hierarchy, and we should abide by it. And that's where we get a lot of the patriotism and positive group identity, that the hierarchy is what brings in meaning and order in society so you know we need that on the left there's a question 
And I'm a little bit sympathetic here as a West Texan. A question that, A, the hierarchy uh, might be corrupted, and B, that the hierarchy could create dispossessed people at the bottom. And that's not good, uh, because dispossessed people can threaten the whole hierarchy. And if you go back through history of these United States and you look at dispossessed people, you can see that those have been major mile markers in our growth as a country when those dispossessed people, whether you look at any point in history and you, you can stick with the civil rights era, you have to be careful. And you have to attend to those, again, this is Peterson, I'm paraphrasing, you have to attend to widows and, and, and children and orphans and, and those who are dispossessed within the system. But here's the deal, you can't do without hierarchies and you have to have those values in place or else you're prone to corruption and hierarchies can dispossess people. And he says that's the problem. And the answer to the problem is this. There is no final answer to the problem. You have to have people who lean left and people who lean right. And they have to talk about whether the hierarchy is healthy. And whether or not it's dispossessing too many people. And sometimes this discussion can go too far. And he looks back at World War II and in the aftermath of World War II. And the hierarchy, this in a German sense, um, is that the hierarchy uber aus. That the state is correct above all things and it's always right. And the hierarchy is without any blemish. And that's where you get right-wing totalitarian types. And then the left can go too far and say flatten everything so there's no inequality the whole hierarchy the traditions and values of a country have to be or within a respective group here we're talking about the country as a whole and i'm getting back around the west texan west texanism just stick with me but both the right and the left can go too far and so he argues that after World War II, we learned the excesses of the right, that racial and ethnic superiority can go too far. But we cannot define when it's gone too far on the left. And what we see today in this country, and I've said the word, which I've never said before on this program, but I've said it now three times, ideological shibboleth, of the left that it can go to an extreme in which it seems like the moral responsibility of a moderate person on the left is to disassociate kind of like it is with a uh, the moral responsibility of somebody on the right to disassociate with the John Birch Society the Klan but those things are proven in history but we're still seeing this play out on the left so and i say that and here's my one disclaimer i'm in west texas where and i'm broadcasting from lubbock 
where there are about as many real liberal Democrats as there are Aborigines in this county. But I'm speaking from a national perspective right now. It's not just the liber- it's not just the left-leaning moderate in in their problem uh, because even the moderate Republican doesn't know at what point uh, it's too much on the radical leftist side. But it, it seems to Peterson and seems to me that the most dangerous outcome on far leftism to completely level the hierarchy, as it were, is an equality of outcome, to guarantee an equality of outcome, that you no more reward competence. It, you know, the excesses of the right were white people overall, and that has a guttural punch. That has a guttural punch that the left has not yet proven, but people begin to see it. And they see it in traces in history, like Lenin and then Stalin overtaking Lenin in the Russian Revolution. And folks, as Peterson has cited, some 25 million people may have died in the Russian Revolution. And in Mao's China, 100 million people, all in the name of equality of outcome and all from internal repression. Now, back to the point at hand for West Texicanism. Our place, I feel like more and more my concern, why I even started writing, why I started on this radio program, is that if you're listening in West Texas right now, I know you guys in Childress listen, we've got listeners in Muleshoe, we've got listeners in La Mesa, we've got listeners in Loving County, uh, just a couple, which would make up maybe a substantial population, Loving County, all these places matter the same as Lubbock in the state's thinking. Uh, and the thinking is, we don't see it much, so we don't think about it at all. But we've got a lot on the line with regard to the way that this economy works, and it doesn't fit into the Republican platform. Now, so let's become Democrats. Well, that's not the answer today either. I don't know, I honestly don't know many people who could read the Democratic platform and say, I'm all in. They're going to go through and they're going to say, I'm 40% of the way in. But whenever it comes to hierarchy and dispossessed, more and more in a state that's being run by suburban Republicans, we see this part, our part of Texas being left behind in their same platform and I take issue with it. So whatever you want to label me, just label me a West Texican. A a guy who sees his place and he's going to go with his place. He's not going to get caught up. I'm grown up. I'm a man. I'm almost 40 and I'm not going to get caught up in this partisanship. And here's my final point on all this. People have said, well, you're a regionalist, which is like a micro version of a nationalist. And I think maybe I'm probably more accurate that I'm a localist. And as that plays out in in political terms and connotations, 
a, a populist uh, you know that's I've been called that plenty of times and you know the reason I went in I just got a text message Trump 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 the reason I went in with Trump is because he cited something that other Republicans weren't at the time and those were trade deficits and that matters in a commodity driven region and he said that and nobody else was saying that at the time and that's why I went in with him on the primary now does that one if you want to mark me up as like some uh, Trumpista or whatever you want that's that's fine but my whole point of this is that if people saw their place and factored it into their political thinking then a, a a lot more people would be engaged because they can they're concerned with the ground on which they're residing and the ground on which their children could inherit it uh, could inherit or could live on in in their lives to come with their children and with their grandchildren and two whenever you've got somebody who's concerned about their place on this side of the state or the country and another that's concerned about their place on the other side then that makes for some great political compromise and people whose greatest special interest is their place and not some damn ideology driven by some group that is backed by a bunch of big corporate money or a bunch of uh, big private money that nobody can track and that's that's the field of politicians by and large that we have right now and that's what leads to political insanity and that's where we are in the country right now i lay down my thesis here's my proposition to you place over partisanship would lead us to a much better place in the country and uh, absolutely the state of texas and that's why i talk about what i talk about we're going to shift gears no pun intended get into some rager gate stuff as we close out this edition you like what you're hearing hey just grab your friend's phone near the uh, near the water at the office or on the golf course wherever it is subscribe them to other side of texas because that's what we do here we just rave on and i could give two flips about the kind of hell i'm about to catch after the show uh, you you far all in republicans you far all in uh democrats and so far as where i'm broadcasting from you're both wrong and you can't i dare you to come on the show and try to make your partisan case based upon the the social concerns of where we live and our economic concerns and you won't be able to do it i'm gonna take this break right here from am 580 be back with you here in a couple of minutes on your other side welcome back in this segment's brought to you by lubbock file room hey you need some documents shredded gone away forever whatever your lot is guess who you can check out do you need those documents shredded because my mind is right mother uh, you can check out Lubbock File Room, providing <laughs> hassle-free and good service to Lubbock and the surrounding area since 1992. For a free and hassle-free estimate, give LubbockFileRoom.com a call today, 806 744 
7666-LubbockFileRoom.com. So we do want to get into a little Ragergate stuff. Uh, I've got some thoughts about the uh, O'Rourke and Cruz race. We're going to leave that off for tomorrow, as well as uh, some news. I'm probably going to write a piece about this. Uh, well, let me just mention it for a second. Uh, I've gotten some new information in from a hotel group that says that my concern, whenever I wrote the piece, this federal legislation, we were breaking more news here on the program, federal legislation that was passed in the FAA uh, Reauthorization Act of 2018, this weird multi-thousand-page act. We broke some news, and it was that they had passed, right on cue, thank you, uh, they had passed within the FAA Reauthorization that you cannot any longer tax rental cars uh, or business the way they phrase it businesses associated with an airport uh, on airport or permitted by airport broke that now I have voted and I don't want to go through candidates I voted for I'll leave that to you but I voted for this proposition but it was after and that's part of having a microphone you get to ask questions and raise issues that you're concerned about. That Maybe you get on your recliner and ask some things on Facebook, and that's fair, but I can get behind this microphone and ask questions, and people begin to answer them. And the fact that in the beginning, it was like, you, can you imagine what that looks like at DFW or Hobby or Bergstrom? Uh, there are going to be folks that are up in arms whenever all that comes about. Uh, close out with some some Ragergate stuff. And we've got a couple of stories developing here. I've just taken a couple of weeks off, kind of like it's a vacation. It's one thing to do a radio show where you cover the news. It's another to do a radio show when you're making the news. Um, but I've got some stuff to look into here. Earlier this month, AutomotiveNews.com wrote this piece. I'm going to read you a few paragraphs from it. With three kids and a fourth on the way, I'm being waved at because they want some music as we get in. I don't know if the music's appropriate, though. I mean, it just... Yeah, okay. We'll play it. Where do you live? This is, it's not going to go well with the story. Okay. What Leon Leonola Franco has is three kids and a fourth on the way. Uh, and her family needed to size up from its 2012 Chevrolet Cruze after a relative recommended Rager Dykes dealership, a Rager Dykes dealership, Franco in late July traded in the Chevy for a 2014 Nissan Pathfinder. But when the 13-store dealership, and this is a national outlet that's running this, when the 13-store dealership declared bankruptcy just days after, the deal hit the skids. As of late September, Franco is missing the title on the Pathfinder 
and is stuck making loan payments to on both the Nissan and the Chevy, the latter of which is no longer in the family's possession. Now, whenever I cringe, whenever we play that, you know, that, that music, it, look, you got to make it entertaining, but yet to be informed of it at the same time. And the reason that we even went after this in the first place was because a lot of people, like the Francos, were going to be rolled over on this thing. And that's always been my concern. Um, and Franco and her family are among a hundred or more customers in limbo on recent purchases from Regerdyke stores in the wake of the group's apparent... But I don't think it's apparent at this point. I think it's pretty clear that it's a financial collapse, as they soon called it. Customer complaints include missing titles, absent deal paperwork, and, as in Franco's case, the failure by the dealership group to pay off loans on trade-ins, leaving vehicles on, leaving buyers on the hook for multiple payments. The Texas Department of Motor Vehicles has been flooded with complaints, a hundred and counting. So that story goes on and talks about the floor plans and we're going to get somebody from a reputable dealership who's got the West Texicanism to come on this show and talk about how something like this could happen. Uh, something that they don't allow to happen, but something that could happen and, and how that comes about. Um, talks about the check kiting schemes involved and what Ford's owed, which Ford says is $113 million. The Francos still owed $6,000 on the Chevy, but rolled it into financing the Nissan, but the lender for the Chevy said it never received the payoff. So Franco is now stuck making what she called unaffordable payments for both vehicles in addition to paying the loan on her husband's truck. It's stressing us out, Franco said, her voice choking up. It's frustrating. KCBD in Lubbock writing a piece uh, last week about uh, how Rager Dykes Auto Group has asked the its attorneys have asked the judge to grant a motion to allow retail lenders to pay outstanding tax title and license fees and trade-off payments. But there are financiers involved who say we want our money. It looks like a publicity stunt of sorts that Rager Dykes trying to take the upper hand. We're trying to take care of these people. And here's my deal. There is the presumption of innocence, and then there's the appearance of a real problem. And for Bart Rager and Rick Dykes both, here's what I think. You both, I believe, James Clark, everything Lubbock, writing that uh, Bart Rager and R Rick Dykes collectively pay have paid back six point nine almost seven million dollars between the two of them in personal notes how about you guys up that by about three million more and take care of folks like the francos that's my suggestion why don't you just put that out there alleviate their suffering and then 
let's go forward and if you're proven innocent if you're proven innocent you'll just have one more uh, one more public accolade that you knew that you were innocent and yet you footed the bill let's just say it's three million in the franco's case the payoff was six i'm sure there are cases out there where the payoff was 40 so not even let's not even put it at that number let's say you guys put up a check collectively between yourselves for uh let's say 2.25 million to try to settle these hundred at least 100 cases out there 100 or so according to automotive news to make things right that'd be a suggestion and guess what with things like that you may not get the ribbing that you're going to get from folks like me in the days to come where this is this is going to be a lead and it's going to stick out there for a year if your folks are listening and i think that they do based on the feedback that i get that would be a good remedy for all the charitable work that i'm told well they did a lot of good things in the community the best thing they could do is shore up these losses for innocent people who are caught in the middle of all of this and by all of this i mean a ginormous an epic cow patty that rager dykes has laid right here on the other side of texas that concludes this edition of the program for ross ramsey and West Texicanism. Appreciate you tuning in. You got show ideas, Jay at OtherSideOfTexas.com. Brandon Darby in the caravan tomorrow. We'll see you right here again. OtherSideOfTexas.com. Emily Jones for ABC Bank. Life is a hustle. As a busy mom, wife, and sportscaster, there is never an extra minute in the day. I rely on ABC Bank to have my back. They have the tools I need to get my banking done on the go. I like my banking simple and honest, and they take the hassle out of the hustle. Bank on better with ABC Bank. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Speed Queen washers and dryers are built to last longer than any other brand in the market, designed to last 25 years in your home. So it's only fitting that they're also backed by the industry's longest lasting warranty, a warranty that's five times longer than the competition. And unlike anyone else, our warranty covers parts and in-home labor. You heard that right, parts and labor. Covered. Get your Speed Queen and our industry-leading warranty at Brand Source Radio Lab, located at 4902 50th Street. And show up. Now, granted, they're going to be inundated with a lot of information that they never knew existed with regards to legislation, safety rules, rules for using and storing a gun and the like. But, you know, for someone that's new to guns, getting introduced to them, it's not, uh, you know, extraordinarily difficult. I mean, all the concepts are, are readily explainable and understood by most adults of, of average intelligence so it's not rocket science it's just getting over that initial inertia and getting into the class right now in addition to the ones that try to get over the initial inertia there's some that may not have the means or some of this stuff so in addition to the ones that come to you that do push that button and do do come to the class you also have gone out and uh well 
You you train them, you find them, you train them, you 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 arm them, you get them their own bullets, you get them everything, and then you train them for free. Well, you know the the huge focus of of that program. That's my annual women.